We're According to scripture, that Samuel said to God, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Every time we open up this book, what we are saying is, Lord, speak. We, as your servants, are listening. We're hearing you. We want to do what the Lord has said. We want to, to put into practice the simple teaching of the Son of God. And here in our text, Luke chapter 10, Mary, and especially in verse 39, she's sitting intently at the feet of Jesus. And Luke tells us she heard his word. If you and I had the opportunity to be in the very presence of Jesus, would we not want to be able to hear what he had to say to us? If we had the opportunity to invite him to be into our homes, and would we not want to listen to every word that proceedeth out of his mouth? I think we would. I think about what Mark recorded in Mark 12 and verse 37 of his account of the life of Jesus. And the common people heard him gladly. When I think about Mary and Martha, I think about here are just two common people, just ordinary everyday folks. And even today we ought to have the same intent to feed upon the word of God. Why is that? Because it is necessary for our souls. But it's also that which nourishes the soul as well. In John 3, or John 6 and verse 35 and following, Jesus identified himself as the bread of life. And that living bread that came down from heaven, you and I know that Jesus, as that living bread gave himself for the human family. And in verse 38, the Bible tells us in that context that John tells us from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That was done intently. <clears throat> that was done intently because after all, the words that he spoke will ultimately have a bearing on our eternal destiny. It was Jesus who said in John 12, 48, He that rejected me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus said that the word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. Don't you think we ought to listen intently to his words? Because it can have an effect on our eternal destiny. And so I want to make sure that I understand what this book has to say to me as an individual 
And then as I proclaim the word to you, I want to make sure that you understand what the Lord has to say to you as well. The sweetness of God's word. It was the psalmist who said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, 103. The psalmist also of old intently dwelled into the word of God and he meditated on that word day and night, we're told. Psalm 1 and verse 2. And so the word of God will nourish the soul because it's necessary. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes to desire the sincere milk of the word. Why, Peter? that we may grow thereby. If you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to be mature, if you want to be what you ought to be as one of his children, then we must feed on this book. We've got to nourish our souls. There have been a lot of important writers down through the years. There's been a lot of important people down through time where we can go back and we can look at some of the famous figures of history. Individuals that have left, as we would say, left their mark on the world in which we live. But do you know of anyone that has made a, great, a greater impact on human history than Jesus the Christ, the divine Son of God? I don't know of anyone. I don't know of any that have been able to have a greater impact. There are a lot of people that go to Memphis, Tennessee, and they assemble there to think about and reflect on the life of Elvis Presley. A lot of folks from around the globe come to reflect upon his life and his death. And it's been about 46 years since Elvis had stepped out into eternity. It was on August 16th, 1977. It's amazing to me of the hundreds or the thousands of people that will come together for a candlelight vigil. And yet how insignificant that is in comparison to the countless thousands and millions of people that for almost 2,000 years have come together to reflect upon the death of God's dear son. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. He was making a mark on the human family. There's no one in history that has made a, a greater impact than Jesus. They were great men, famous men, yes, but they pale in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so God's word is what nourishes the soul. It is the only thing that can nourish that soul. But there's a second thing we notice in our study. And that is is when we choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, we can forget our worries. We can forget about them. Listen now to what is said in Luke 10 and verse 40. Here you have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's listening to his word. In contrast, Luke said, but Martha was cumbered or distracted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. There are three words that are used by Jesus to depict Martha here. He said that she's distracted, she's worried, and she's troubled. Now when we sit at the feet of Jesus, despite everything that's going on in the world around us, we can forget about our worries. And why is that? Because we are in the presence of the great I am. The great I am. The one of whom the Hebrew writer said, upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1.3. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus asked what I believe to be a profound question. And the reason I bring this up is because of what is said about Martha, that she was distracted, she was worried, and that she was troubled. And then notice about many things, he says. About many things. When we think about what Jesus has said about Martha, here's a question. How many of us can identify with what the Lord said to her? Or about her? How many of us feel the same way that we're distracted or we're worried or that we're troubled about many things in life. And so in Matthew 6 and verse 28, here's what Jesus said, or here's the question that he asked. And why take ye thought for raiment? In other words, why do you worry? There's nothing to worry about. The American Standard Version of 19.1 says, it says, why are ye anxious? Here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to every word. And Martha is distracted. She's worried. She's troubled about many things. And so Jesus asked a question that continues to penetrate the hearts and the minds of people. Why do you worry? A lot of times we will say, well, you know, life is too short to be all worried about the things that may never ever happen. Or to be worried about the things that really don't matter. There are a lot of folks in our world and even in the church who are distracted, they're worried, they're troubled about many things. 
But why is that? Why? Now by implication, obviously what was said of Martha was not true for Mary. I don't think Mary was distracted, worried, or troubled about anything. Much less many things. And what we need to understand is that when we are distracted and worried and troubled about many things, we need to remember that we serve the Lord and that He is to be number one in our lives. I think about the compassion of the Lord, where our Lord is compassionate. We are members of the human family. He understands what life is all about. In fact, Jesus has been here as we talked about this morning that he became flesh and dwelt among us. He has lived, he has faced the difficulties, the trials, the tribulations of life. He has experienced humanity and yet out of all of that, he's compassionate. The Bible tells us in Mark 1 and verse 40 where the leper approached Jesus on one occasion and he said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The Bible says that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. But Mark prefaces that by saying that Jesus was moved with pity, with compassion. Verse 41, the Hebrew writer tells us, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I think about Jesus understanding our plight here on planet earth. If anybody understands, the Lord understands. Not only is he compassionate, and understanding but based on what I read in scripture he cares he cares now there are some folks that have a grave misconception about God they have the idea that that God had created this world and then he just walked away and said figure it out good luck hope things work out no That's not the God I serve. That's not the God I read about. The God that I read about cares. Those who identify with that kind of doctrine are called deists. And they have the idea that God has left man just to make it on his own. That's not the God that I know. That's not the Jesus that I read about in Scripture. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord cares, and He cares about what I'm facing in life. Do you remember the psalmist in Psalm 142, and verse 3, where David was a writer, and David was being hounded by his enemies, and he was on the run. And no one was standing beside him. As a matter of fact, he said God and God alone was his refuge. But he said in verse 4 of that text, he says, no one, no man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. Sometimes we're like David, aren't we? And we tend to forget about that there are really people that really care. 
Sometimes we have an attitude, sometimes because life is, is, is crowding in on us. Sometimes because of the difficulties of life that we feel alone. That we feel like we're the only one out here having to deal with this. That's what David felt. And if you feel like that, then you're like David. No one cares for my soul. Well, that's what David said. Now, did no one really care about David? Maybe no one cared about him, but God in heaven cares about him. God cares. The Lord cares. If it were the case that every single person on planet earth were to turn their backs upon us, guess what? God still cares. No matter what. Come what may. God cares. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Peter said, casting all your care upon him. Why, Peter? For he careth for you. When you read from Genesis all the way to Revelation, go back and you read the Psalms. And if you want a point driven home over and over again, do you know what that point is? <laughs> you already know. God cares about you. God cares about you. God's interested in where you are in life. And so we have the Lord's compassion. He's caring. But here's something else about the Lord. He's concerned. Sometimes when we face difficulties in life, and, and like Martha, we become distracted, we become worried, we're troubled about many things. That we have the idea that, that no one is concerned about our feelings or our thoughts or our hurts or our anguish. Well, guess what? The Lord is concerned. How do I know that? Well, here's what Jesus said in Luke 18 and verse 1. The Lord said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, don't become discouraged. Don't be, don't, don't be discouraged. What Jesus is saying is because he cares and because he is concerned about our mental state, our physical welfare, because he can, he's concerned about us as members of the human family, that he wants us to go before the throne of God. And there's a reason for that. It's because we can lay before him all of our troubles, all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our distractions. There's not a load too heavy to put on his throne. I promise you, there's not anything that you are bearing in this life. It may be the case you feel like they're cumbered with a load of care. But listen, our Father in heaven, <laughs> he can handle it. And when I say he can handle it, I mean he can handle it. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Hebrews 4.16. I can, as Jesus said, enter into my prayer closet and I can get down on my knees and I can lay it all before the throne of God. All of my feelings, all of my hurts, all of my worries, all my distractions and troubles that I have in this life, I can walk away knowing that I put it all on the throne of God and that somebody that has the ability, the power to do something about it. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. There are folks in this world and there are people in the church that are facing, as we would say, uphill battles in this life. And I can lend an ear, I can lend a voice of encouragement, I can pray with them, but look, I have limitations. But there's only so much I can do, but look, when we take it before the throne of God, we're going before the presence of an all-powerful God. Read Psalm 139. The Bible says in verse 14 of that, he says, For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The very God that made this universe, he can make the world and uphold the world by the word of his power. Don't you think that he can help us? Yes. The psalmist in the long ago said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. And he asked a question, From whence cometh my help? He says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Here's the point. The psalmist said, I can go to God for help. I can put my faith and my trust in him that he will see me through. Why? Because this is the very being that made the world, the universe, and everything in it. And if he can make the world and he can make the universe and everything in it, then he can help me in whatever I'm facing in this life. There's a third thing that we see, and that is when we choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, we can focus on his will. Now listen again to what is said, what Luke said in verse 39. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, now go down to verse 42. And this is what Jesus says to Martha after, after she said in verse 40, Lord, does that not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. But Jesus said in verse 42 now, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Have you ever thought about sitting at the feet of Jesus. When we open up this book and we read about the life of the Lord and his intentions for us in this world and in this life, have you ever thought about how it helps to crystallize what life is all about? That it brings clarity to life? There are a lot of people in this world today that they have no sense of direction in life. They don't have focus. They don't have any idea why they are here. And when you spend enough time in this book, 
that we call the Bible, you'll be able to focus intently on the will of God. And if you spend enough time in this book, it will bring clarity to really what life is all about. First of all, it'll help you with your priorities in life. Jesus again said to Martha, he said, you're distracted, you're worried, and you're troubled about many things. You know, sometimes we just need to just step back and just, just take and look at the whole picture and evaluate or maybe even reevaluate our priorities in life, right? I thought about how plain and concise Jesus was in the selection of his words. Oh, it's hard to misunderstand what Jesus said over and over again. You read what he said. You can't misunderstand what he said unless you have help. For example, in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What did you say, Jesus? Seek first. That means before anything else, when I sit down and I evaluate my life and focus on his will, I understand first and foremost, here's what the Lord wants from me. He wants me to put him and his will before anything else else that word first denotes in time and in place of importance the more time you spend in this book that's the conclusion you'll reach that you need to put me the Lord said before everything else God's not just interested in just a small slice of your life. He doesn't want just a piece of you. He wants the whole pie. He wants all of you. He wants 100% consecration to him and him alone. What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. What Paul was saying is that the Lord's first in my life and then there's a second thing that not only does he help us with our priorities, but as I think about sitting at the feet of Jesus and focusing on his will, we come to appreciate where our passion should be in this life. I know that right now, that there are a lot of folks that all they can talk about right now is football. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Yes, sir, indeed. Football, football, football. There's a lot of money spent on the radio and television. Everybody wants to talk about football. Why? Because that's their passion. That's their passion. 
Well, as a child of God, you know what our passion is supposed to be? And I'm not saying that we can't like football, okay? Don't take me wrong there. But there are a lot of things that we like to do, but we ought to have a burning heart for God. Jesus said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, Mark 12, 30. The Lord is saying, that he's saying, I need to love him supremely with every fiber in my body. I need to love him with all my heart, soul, and mind. So what about my love for him? In Revelation 2 and verse 4, the Bible tells us that when Jesus looked at that church in Ephesus, he said, nevertheless, I have someone against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Sometimes our love for the Lord grows cold, doesn't it? Because we don't sit at his feet enough. If you don't spend time with the Lord every day, guess what? You will not have the priorities right. And your passion will not be what it ought to be. There's a third thing that I believe that when we sit at the feet of Jesus and focus on his will, that we come to understand what this pilgrimage in life is all about. What is life all about? Now, there are a lot of people in our world that would tell you, oh, it's about the here and now. Getting all the gusto you can, right? It's all about happiness. It's all about contentment. It's all about how much I can get out of this world. There are a lot of people that are filling up their bank accounts. They're accumulating land and stocks and bonds and a whole lot of things. You know what? One day when this life comes to an end, all that quote unquote stuff that we've been accumulating and building up, guess what? You're going to leave it all behind. It all is going to still be there when you're dead and gone. That's what Jesus said. Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. Matthew 6, 19. You've got to make a choice in life. You've got to understand that you are only here for a short period of time. One day, this life as we know it's going to be over. And that's it. And then cometh the judgment. That's why the psalmist said, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Psalm 90 verse 12. One day we're going to have to check out of this old world. When we check out, the only thing that's going to matter is how our relationship is with the Lord. That's what's going to matter. How did we live here upon this earth? You know, Paul, or or Peter, talks about this in 1 Peter 2.11. He says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, Paul in the long ago says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, 
For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, you begin to understand what life is really all about. There are a lot of blessings to be had in this life. And God is that bountiful God. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, James tells us. But the bottom line is, is we got to understand what this life is intended to bring honor and glory to God, isn't it? And to live in such a way so that we can go home. I'm not talking about to your house here on earth. I'm talking about the eternal home. I want to encourage you to sit daily at the feet of Jesus and learn the lessons that he intends for you to learn. Then make application. Faith in action. Faith in action. Are you a Christian? If not, why not? It's a good question, isn't it? If you're not a Christian, why aren't you? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? John 8, 24 says, if you don't, you're going to die in your sins. Are you willing to make a change in your life called repentance? You've been doing it like this all this time, and you've been doing it wrong. Let's get this book out and find out what we need to do right. And live in accordance to it. And make things right. Called repentance. Are you willing to make that good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And go down into the waters of baptism. To have those sins washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. The remission of sins, Acts 2.38. The forgiveness of sins. To then be justified. Just if I'd had never sinned. Sanctified, set apart from the world to Christ. And thus, when we come up out of the waters of baptism to be a child of God. To be added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47. To then be able to live faithfully to his will. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening and hearing every word that comes out of his mouth. And make application to it. To live faithfully. To his will. If you're in need of the gospel call. To put the Lord on a baptism based upon your faith. As Lydia McLean did this very morning. We'll assist you even tonight. To make things right. Maybe you're already a child of God. You wandered off back into the world. And maybe got caught up in sin again. Repent of that. Pray that God will forgive you. We're here to pray with you and for you. 
We're about to sing a song of encouragement, number 370. I want you to listen to the words of this song. And if it strikes in your heart that you need to make a decision, a choice to make things right with God, I hope that you will. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?